Good morning again. Our second sermon of the series, 10%, talking about biblical stewardship. And today we're going to look at this second principle, we own absolutely nothing, and there's three scriptures we're going to be looking at, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and then Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. When you walk through a crisis or a difficult time in your life, it reveals so many things to you and those around you. For example, the things that you thought were so important suddenly don't seem that important anymore. When COVID-19 hit early last year, we discovered what those things were that a lot of things didn't seem that significant anymore. As our nation shut down, as family lost loved ones, and all of our lives were being impacted in some, some form or fashion, we learned that we needed help in letting go of those things that really are not that important. Do you remember last week the principle that we discussed, the first principle of biblical stewardship? What was it? God is the... We have to go back and repeat that lesson. God is the owner of everything, correct? And not only does he have the entire world in his hands, he has you in his hands. As the old song goes, he has the whole world in his hands. He's got the... Outstanding. Now, since God is the owner of everything, it's only logical to conclude that we own absolutely nothing. Which is, as I said just a minute ago, the second principle of biblical stewardship. People struggle. We struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Giving away things that we think that we possess. However, you and I possess nothing because we own absolutely nothing because God is the owner of everything. God alone has the capacity to bless your life when you do things His way. And I want to encourage you to discard what Pop culture tells you what the advertisement promotes. In fact, if you look at some of those advertisements, they're promising something that the product can never deliver. Can a product actually give you true and everlasting happiness? Of course not. And guys, I don't know about you, but I've never opened a pack of double mint gum and two twins in bikinis come jumping out the wall. That's not probably the best illustration in the world, but I want you to think about when you watch a commercial, what are they promoting? What are they promising to deliver? Remember, as a child of God, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, always look at everything through the lens of Scripture, the Bible. When we look at the world, when you observe things in the world, what does the Bible have to say about that? And that's everything from politics to the economy, to 
that where you go, spend your money, what job you have, everything must be filtered through Scripture. We look back at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. So let's read that as we go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves or creeps on the earth. Now in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 1 and 2, we have the record of everything being created. We call it the creation account. But we specifically also learn something about ownership. We learn what the Bible says about stewardship. We read that God created man and woman, male and female, in his own image. He blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? I don't have the time to even get in that subject. But I will tell you this, when you look at the creation account, look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God spoke everything into existence, except for man. He said that God reached down with his own hands and formed man from the dust of the ground. So God used his own hands to create man. And then he does something else that's really unique. He breathed into the nostrils of man and gave man a living soul. We are the crowning achievement, if you will, of his creation. That's just a little bit about what it means to be made in the image of God. The text does not give us much, does it? It doesn't tell us what it means, but it does give us a consequence of that creative act. Look what he told him to do, to rule over. In fact, the word rule in Hebrew is the word radah which means to rule, or to rule or to have dominion over. So he gave us his creation to rule over. In other words, he gave us to be stewards of his creation. We're not to do it in a harsh manner. Rather, we do it for the sake of God's glory. We rule or have dominion in the way that will bring honor and praise to God. Adam and Eve were given responsibility over the creation God had provided. They were tenants. They were managers. They were stewards who were assigned to tend to the garden and bring every living thing in it under submission to the will of its creator. It said to subdue it, we are to rule over. So if you go back in the very beginning, here's the point. We were created to be stewards over God's creation, to take care of it in a way that would bring him honor and glory. Now, God's entrusting you with everything that you have in your life, not for personal ownership, 
but for you to demonstrate stewardship. He's looking to you, how are you going to handle what you've been given? First with your own life, but also resources that he allows you to have. And now we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, that we are called to be servants and stewards. So bear with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What does it have to say? Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man regard us in this manner. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it's required of stewards that one be found, look at the word, trustworthy. We are to be found to be trustworthy. That word translated servant is a word that refers to an underling, an inferior, if you will usually refers to one who carries out the commands of a military officer or a temple official. It comes from a compound word, under rower or lower rower. Can you understand? Lower rower. That's hard to pronounce. On a ship. And Paul picked this word out intentionally. I would say the Holy Spirit picked out this word intentionally. Because of people sitting down in the belly of the ship were the lower roars, and they were to do, follow the commands of a superior and to be very efficient despite being situated there in the bottom of the boat. In other words, they're down there just rowing away, have no idea where they're going, can't see anything. It's stuffed, it's cramped, it's hot, and they are to row, and to row in such a manner they're commanded to do that. We are called to be Christ's under rowers. We are to follow his command. You also have the word, uh, the word steward there that's translated also as manager. It's the Greek word, or, let me see if I pronounce this right, okonomos. It's related noun is okonomai, translated stewardship or administration. It appears 17 times in the New Testament. The third of occurrences happened in one of Jesus' parables. It's a compound word that comes from house or oikos or law nomos. And what it refers to is those who are employed to manage the affairs of a household, a state, or a small business. And some stewards are also given the charge of the welfare of the owner's children. Though a steward managed a household, the ownership, of everything, he or she managed to remain entirely under the master's control. So they were not given the ownership. They were to watch over and take care of it, although they did not own it themselves. Now, as a way of illustrating that point, how many of you are Amazon Prime members? You, you have any Amazon Prime members in the house, okay? Well, Jeff Brozos, who's the CEO of that company, uh, last year, as a way of Thanking you for your loyalty to him. In February of last year, he celebrated with a record-setting purchase of a Beverly Hills estate for $165 million. So he thanks you for your loyalty. 
Now suppose you and Jeff went to high school together. He calls you to manage his property for him while he is gone. And you can stay in the, the big house, the main house. You can have use of all the grounds that you want. And there'll be plenty to keep you busy. He has two guest houses, a tennis court, a swimming pool, a nine-hole golf course, all put on a nine-acre plot of land. Now, though you get to stay in a house, you do not own it. Now, if you were given that privilege, how would you take care of that house? Would you trash it? Or would you take care of it? I bet you take care of it better than the last hotel room you stayed in. You would take care of it. Likewise, dear beloved, we are entrusted by God to care for his creation. We are blessed with material possessions that are given to us for a season to manage them for God's glory. We are not to be like little children running around going, mine, mine, mine. It's not ours. But it's God's. It's everything. Stewardship is the practice of managing properly all that God has entrusted to us, whether it be time, talents, money, resources, influence, or our total lives. This is biblical stewardship. This is what we are to be as God's stewards. Why? Because God is the owner of everything, and we own absolutely nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not, a, not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body." Your body, your very life does not belong to you. It belongs to God. We are here, but for a short time. And we are called to be good stewards of everything that he has given us. Just like we would take care of that house that Mr. Jeff Rosos owns if he asks us to. And yet God, who has given us everything, so oftentimes we treat things that he gives us with no regard to what he has blessed us with. You know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, which is a week from Thursday. It's hard to believe. A day that we give thanks for the many blessings that we have. And yes, there's problems in our country. I'll be the first to admit it, but I do not want to live anywhere else. We are so blessed in this country. We've been blessed for so long that now we are cursing the very one who gave us those blessings in the first place. You know, it dawned on me, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It dawned on me, only in America, we set a day aside where we eat, we can't eat no more, thank God for his many blessings, followed by the day that we beat each other upside the head to grab that one toy or item that we need to impress people we don't even like with money we don't even have. Have you ever thought about the holidays? You have Thanksgiving first where we give thanks for all the many blessings. Then comes Christmas where we thank God for the greatest blessing of all, His only Son. Then becomes New Year's that represents the new start that we have when we give our lives to Christ Jesus. It's there for a reason. 
what's happened with the holidays? They've turned nothing into profit. And we forget the whole meaning. Christmas is all about relationships and what we have. Dare I say, over the last few years, I've learned this very, very well. If the people you love are around you, sitting at that table, sharing a meal, you are blessed indeed. Don't let secular society dictate to you what you should be thankful for and what you should not. From the beginning, we were called to be good stewards of his creation. We are called to be trustworthy and dependable. And in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, we get this illustration about what being a steward's about. Let's read that together. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. It's the parable of the talents. Starting in verse 14. For it's just like the man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, own ability, and went on his journey. Immediately the one who received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received the two talents gained two more. But the one who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Not after a, now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful for a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not, did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I will receive my money back with insurance. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For, it, to, for to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the ruthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
we are to be found trustworthy, number one, that's back in 1 Corinthians. But God expects faithfulness. Committed to, to do what God asks us to do. We do not represent ourselves, but God. God has ultimate rule. We do not. We lean on him for wisdom. Trust him for the power to be faithful stewards. Faithfulness means dependable. And we see that in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten talents we just read. It defines the task that we are to be occupied with, being good stewards. Notice in the story that they're not given the same amount. It was told to us that they received each according to his own ability. They're not expected to perform at the same level of competence, but each of them expected to do their best as faithful stewards. Remember the guy with the one talent? Look back there. He said, I knew you to be a hard or a difficult man, and I was afraid. He understands his master to be unjust, unpredictable, and unreasonable, like a farmer who harvests a field that he did not plant. Such a view of God proliferated ancient times, and even today God, people look at God as a hard taskmaster who can never be satisfied. Look what the master tells the slave, you wicked, lazy slave. Lazy literally means shrinking or hesitating. The master is pointing out, look, if you knew me to be that way, if you knew that about me, why did you take my money to the bank and I could have earned interest on it and have made more money, but you didn't do it? He should have realized, that slave, that if he did not act accordingly, that that would prove his premise right, that he is indeed a hard, difficult man. That parable is really a great illustration about stewardship. Are you being faithful and dependable to honor God with all your resources? He has given to you in your life. Will you honor and give him at least 10% of all he's entrusted to you weekly, monthly, and annually? Some say I can't afford it. I say you can't afford not to do it. Did you know as a nation we're making more money than ever? And we're being worse stewards of that money each year. The U.S. per capita disposable personal income after tax, or DPI, has increased by 157% since 1968. Yet, giving to churches has only increased by 82%. And this is according to John, Sylvia, and their book, The State of Church Giving, through 2017. So it's back in 2017, but the point they're making is that our wages are going up, the money we can make is going up, but little is being given back to God. And like I said before, who gave you that brain to begin with? Who gave you that skill to begin with? Who allows you to be born in a country where you're free to do what you're doing in the first place? That's all God's blessing. Bottom line, we're making more but giving less of what God has entrusted to us. Consider how the average American stewards money God has entrusted to them. 41% of us carry some sort of credit card debt. The average credit card debt is about $5,700. Nearly three in four workers say that they're in debt. More than half of the workers in the United States feel like they'll always be in debt. And 78% of workers live paycheck to paycheck. 
God has not called and given us to be average. What kind of stewardship is demonstrated by your life? I believe God is calling all of us to renew our faithfulness to him. The pathway to security lies in understanding we own absolutely nothing. Always remember, our master, our heavenly father, owns everything. And there is freedom in letting go. It took me, and I'm still learning a lesson, that the source of our financial resources has always been God. Always. Never, it never has changed. But as I went to different places, pastored different churches, or working at different places, that was the vehicle in which God blessed me with. A lot of times I've gotten in trouble with my finances, not because anything God held anything back, it's me just being bad with my money, period. If you follow the principles of God, dearly beloved, it works out the best. It always will and always has. Now, like I pointed to last week, we're not any type of capital building program or anything like that. We are called to be good stewards of what we have. How about your life? How much TV do you watch versus spending time in prayer and reading scripture? Uh-oh. Now I'm getting a little personal now, aren't I? It's about being good stewards. You know, my mom told me all the time, we used to go up there and visit her when the girls were little, and I get frustrated at them, you know. And my mom told me, be careful how you spend this time with them because they'll only be little and it will go by way too fast. And it has. Where'd the time go? How are we managing our time? I mean, if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us the importance of relationships and how we spend our time and tell the people who are close to us that we love them, we care for them. Before we don't have that time anymore. Today is your day of decision. I ask you to declare to God with conviction the following things and let it resound in your homes and through your lives every day this week and the weeks to follow. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, no one looking around. Will you state with conviction? Just repeat after me, Lord God, you are the owner of everything. Lord, we own absolutely nothing. Empower me by your Spirit to be faithful and dependable. I choose to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. No, amen doesn't mean over and out. Amen literally means so be it. We're living in some difficult times for sure. But God is calling us to trust him. Not just with our eternal destination, but with everything. Do we trust him or not? He gives you absolutely everything that you have. Everything. He'll give you what you need. Do you remember the principle? 
What, we, what must we do? Seek what? The kingdom of God first. And all these things will be added to you. You can try things your way. And I promise you, I, trust me, I've been down that road. I know where that road goes. It's nothing but pain and suffering, humiliation, everything. Destruction goes down that way. And what I'm doing to you this morning, I want to hold that stop sign up and say, hey, stop where you're at. Consider where you're headed. Take the road God wants you to have. You may not get everything that you want, but you get everything that you need. What's the most important thing that you need? The most important thing trumps everything else. You can't pay for it. There's not enough money, not enough gold. That's your salvation. And that's been paid for in full. And all you got to do is come up, agree with God. That's what confession means. Agree with God. You've broken his laws that you desperately need to save. And it's yours. Freely given. A gift. And most of you in this room I know are Christians or profess to be Christians. Now he's asking us, that life I just gave you, give me your heart, trust me, and let me use you the way that I will. And let me tell you, God will use you in ways and take you places you cannot even comprehend. Can't even, can't even believe it. And that happens as an individual and also as a church. And please don't take this as I'm beating you guys up. I'm not. This is one of the most generous churches I've been a part of, and I kid you not. The way you guys rise to occasions when someone loses a loved one or the youth need money, whatever it is, you guys always rise to the occasion. I want to be your cheerleader. Cheer you on. That's wonderful. Let's continue. Even when things get difficult. I'm going to conclude with this. Welfare should not be the job of the state. It should be our job to take care of each other. What does James says? Pure and undefiled religion says take care of the widows and the orphans. Take care of those in need. That's what we should be doing. Because you know anytime the government gets a hold of something, they mess it all up. That's our job as believers. And to take care of each other as the body, and they reach out in our community. And that's when that will truly come to pass. We are known by love. And we're living by faith. I got that backwards. Living by faith, known by love, still works. What is God calling you to do? Is he calling you really just to step out there? Just had a thought. What would happen if I asked you to pass your wallet or your checkbook to someone sitting around you that, not your, not your spouse, not a brother or sister, but someone you know, but not, a lo- not part of your immediate family, just hand it to somebody. Then I told you, give the way you should. Does that change the way you give? It shouldn't. You know why? God owns everything we own absolutely nothing. It's not your money to begin with. God says, test me now in this 
and see if I'll not open the window of heaven and pour blessing upon you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, dear God, how you bless us on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, God. You never stop blessing us with so many things. Father, help us to be thankful for the things that we, that we have and to stop focusing on things we do not have. Let us find our identity, who we are in you, rather than how much money we have or how many resources we have. All of us have value beyond belief, beyond measure. And we can see that in the cross of Christ. Father, right now, lift up those who are struggling in the air of stewardship, the air of just truly letting go. Father, remind them how much you love them, how much you want to take care of them. And Father, you proved yourself to be trustworthy over and over and over and over again. Help us to stand on your word and on your promises. May your spirit continue to have this way here this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?